All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Point Church. It's always a fun day when you can show up to church in a bathing suit, which I am doing right now. Um, kind of get organized. I'm doing the handheld to kind of keep it short today. It's my reminder. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew 28 and Romans chapter 6. Those are the two places that we'll be. Um, just a, a couple of announcements. If you grabbed one of these little white sheets of paper, what this is, these are uh, from Camp Julian Oaks, a ministry that we partner with out in Julian. And uh, in the back, on the back of it, what it says is it's basically a Christian camp for kids that um, are in the foster system or have been in the foster system. They could be adopted at this point. Um, but I went out there two weeks ago and... Uh, I'm going to try not to cry. I, I tell people that I spent half the week trying not to cry and the other half of the week crying. And uh, it, it was very difficult to hear the stories of these these young people. I was there for middle school uh, to, to hear the stories of these kids. For me, it was a sort of God using the week to, to, to sort of, you know, unravel another layer of, of the onion in my life. Uh, many of you may know or may not know but I was kind of one of those kids. I never made it into the foster care system because my da- dad was able to like uh, get custody of me. But at 11 years old, I had to testify against my mom in court for the abuse that we were going through. And so going to Camp Julian Oaks, it's a place that I've sort of uh, kept at arm's distance. But I felt like this year as we're coming out of COVID and everything that we've gone through, God was just like, hey, you need to go to Romania. You need to start looking outward. And I need you to go to Camp Julian Oaks. And I really spent the week there thinking to myself, how can I not get more involved with this ministry? What they do is, is super special. And so I'm really grateful that we as a church are partnered with them. Um, for The second announcement here is there's no Sunday school today. So kids, I'm really, I'll, I'll try to keep it interesting. Or we'll keep it as, you know, as, as, as uh, not entertaining, but as user-friendly as possible. Um, I also want to thank everybody that made summer night so special. The the three nights that we had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday were just just a, a tremendous event. Like we broke bread. Like Beth and her crew, and she, like you're, she runs a very tight ship, and uh, they fed us very well. I think we all put on a couple pounds this week. And um, uh, one of the special things happened to me on Friday night after everything was over. Um, my son Gideon, wherever he is, I don't know where the little there he is. Right there. Giddy, can you stand up just so everybody can see you? You can stand on your chair so everybody can see you. Okay, he doesn't want to. But the little guy right there, he's 10 years old. He's spending the whole night talking about this new friend he made. And I'm talking to him for about 10, 15 minutes. I'm trying to think of all the little kids that are there that might be new that I, that I, that I couldn't just piece together. So finally, after like 10 minutes, I'm like, hey, do you remember the kid's name? Because that doesn't always help me. Like, you could tell me a kid's name, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. But he's like, yeah, I know the guy's name. And I'm like, who, who is it? He's like, Jeff Tolstad. This is Jeff Tolstad over here. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's one of the things that I like about our church is that it's like there's not really age barriers. And this event of getting us all together, that like Gideon's new best bud is Jeff Tolstad. And uh, it's just a really a neat thing. So uh, finally, uh, or not finally, when the pastor says that doesn't mean anything, uh, Next next Sunday evening is Bible Bingo at Debbie's house. It's always a wonderful event. So Bible Bingo is next Sunday. Uh, today we have donuts following the baptism. 
And also we're going to stack the chairs and we're going to put them back in the Sunday school room because the sanctuary carpet is going to get cleaned. Okay, I'm going to pray and we're going to talk about baptism and following the service. We're going to have a baptism right here uh, outside. So let's pray. Um, Father, we do thank you uh, for this day. We thank you uh, for this time that we have together. Lord, I know that there are a number of distractions being outside and and it's just different being out here. It's a, a good memory of COVID times and uh, just the, the special uh, circumstances that we went through that really united us as a church. And so, Father, today as we uh, celebrate baptism, there are six individuals that desire to follow you in obedience and being baptized following their faith in Christ as their Savior. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us this day to understand what baptism is all about. And Father, for those of us who are getting baptized, I pray that what they are doing is clear in their minds. For those of us who haven't been baptized uh, here, that maybe that today would be uh, sort of a layer in understanding that would help us move towards obedience in Christ uh, in being baptized by water. And Father, for all of those of us who are, have been baptized and are walking with you, Father, I do pray that today would be a time when we examine our own lives and to see if there are things that are holding us back from being obedient to you. For baptism is just a step of obedience that leads to you uh, encouraging us and challenging us to do different things for you. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us that we would grow in our commitment to you and our desire to honor you with our lives. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. So whenever we come to baptism... It always, it, I think of young 25-year-old Gunner who really grappled with what baptism was all about. So I came to Christ, I, I became a Christian somewhere between the ages of like 19 and 22. I had a three-year window there, and somewhere along the line, I decided to give my life to Christ. Um, by 25, I'd met Anna, wherever she is, I think she's like right over there, um, I was interested in her. The math didn't add up. Uh, My background and her background didn't align, but I was doing my best to woo her. And and the subject of baptism came up because our church was having a baptism. And and I remember telling her, I'm like, you know, I was baptized as a baby, first off. I I was born into the Catholic Church. I was raised in the Catholic Church. And I stayed in the Catholic Church until I was about 19 years old. And so I I, I was raised in the Catholic Church. I was baptized as an infant. I don't remember the day, but I have a picture of it, so I know it happened. And and then when I became a Christian, at uh, somewhere in that window between you know 1996 and 2001, in, in that window, I began to begin to get convicted about baptism every time it came up in church, and they they talked about it. And so in my mind baptism was for rookies. And I had now progressed in the Christian faith. And so I didn't need to go backwards to be baptized. And so really my pride kept me from moving forward in obedience to baptism. Well, thankfully I was a Navy SEAL, so I was in the water a lot. And I figured out a loophole. And so I decided one night in going into San Diego Bay, as we were going to do a long dive, that what I would do is as we were walking into the water, I would just baptize myself. And so we were walking out. I dunked myself really quickly. My swim buddy's like, what just happened? Did you trip on something? And I'm like, no, no, don't worry about it. I just baptized myself. Let's go on with our dive. We can do this. And so I'm explaining all of this to Anna. And Anna's like, 
you're not doing what the Bible says. And I was trying to make my best case against her. I'm like, no, no, no. But my heart now, I can take what I know now and I can play it and apply it to back then. And she just wasn't having it. And if she wasn't going to have it, then I, that meant that there was a barrier in my, like, moving forward in the relationship. And so then I decided I was going to go run a marathon August of 2001. And I'm running this marathon in Denver. And something about that Mile High City thing, it's real. And about mile 20, I have a really bad, uh, something happened where it's like low blood sugar. I decided I was going to lay down in somebody's yard that had the sprinklers on. And I was going to figure out what to do with the last six miles. And this guy, this guy comes running by an older guy. He's like 60 or 70, had run like, I don't even know how many marathons. His, older, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm young, 25-year-old Navy SEAL. He's like a 70-year-old pastor. And he's like, hey, I have a drink. Do you want the rest of it, the best rest of the Gatorade? So I chugged it, and there was an after-dinner man in there, and it kind of like charged up my batteries. And But I felt committed to running the last six miles with this guy, learned he was a pastor, learned that I had been sort of grappling with the situation of baptism. And he said, you know what? Why don't, at the end of this race, why don't I just baptize you? And I'm like, that's great. We can just go to the lake. We can walk down where nobody is. He's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, well, what's a good idea? He's like, well, what hotel are you staying at? He's like, well, I think I'm staying at the Marriott. And he's like, yeah, that's where I'm staying at. Why don't you meet me around dinner time? We'll go to the pool. And I'm like, but there's going to be a bunch of people there. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what baptism is about. So I was like, ah. So then I got baptized there. And, and it was really, at that moment, it was me submitting to what God called me to do. And, and from that moment, God then began trusting me with, with different things that I could step out by faith. And so when I talk today and I share about baptism, I have 25-year-old Gunner in my mind that I'm trying to reason with you to explain why we're baptized. And so this begins in Matthew 28. At the very end of Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, this is a, a passage that's often, often referred to as the Great Commission. Jesus had been crucified. He rose from the dead and he'd spent some time with his disciples and he left the disciples with this final commission really to go and to make disciples. That's, that's the main verb is to make disciples. And connected to that verb, there's things about being baptized and learning about what God had instructed his followers to do and then sort of living it out. And so we read, but the 11 disciples in verse 16 proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came to him and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he's saying, I have authority. And in his authority, these disciples are worshiping him as God. And after he establishes his authority over all, he then gives them the instruction. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, all people groups around the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So baptizing, this is a water, baptizing, water baptism where the individual is going underwater and then coming up from water. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. And so here's this, this great commission to go and to share the gospel. 
And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, this is what we read. In him, that's Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we're told that you go through your life. You're separated from God by default. You are his, you are his enemy because of your sin nature. We're told that from the Bible that God loves each one of us, that he's pursuing us. He's trying to reconcile this, this barrier that exists between the sinner and the holy God. And so Paul writes here after listening to the message of truth. So every individual that is a believer in Christ, at one point you heard the gospel, which Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says that it's according to the scriptures, that Christ died on the cross for our sins. Whether you believe or not, your sins have been paid for on the cross. He goes on to say that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. So this wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus for our sins, past, present, and future. He continues in first in Ephesians chapter 1, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And so we're told that this is the transaction. An individual finds himself before a holy God. They come to understand the clarity of their situation before God, that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of this, they are destined for destruction, for separation from God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus loves us. He died for us. And at one point for every Christian, if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you've reached this place where you have understand You've understood this proposition of God, this gift, this offer. He said, my son has died for you. You have to hear that first, and then you believe. And then once belief happens, we're told that the Holy Spirit indwells us, seals us for the day of redemption. It's like a down payment from God that he gives us his spirit. It's like when you go and you buy a house and you put a a, a down payment down. There's a certain amount that you can't get back. It's a guarantee. And so he gives the spirit to his followers as his pledge, this guarantee that you're secure and safe until the day of redemption. And so that is known as the spirit baptism. Belief, spirit enters your heart and you're saved. Now, water baptism is really a a picture of the spirit baptism. Over in Romans, as Paul begins to write, In Romans chapter 6, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase, may it never be? How shall we who died to sin live in it? So, we've been given liberty. In Christ, there's freedom. This is not license to sin. He saved us so that we could live for him. He goes on to say in verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized in his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So this picture of water baptism, when I dunk these people today, they're going to be submerged underwater. This is a a picture of their life uh, being identified with the cross of Christ and his death. They're saying, you know what? Jesus died for me. My sins were nailed to him. He went to the grave for three days. When I go underwater, this is me. This is a picture 
identifying what I've done, what I've given my sins to. I believe that Jesus died for me. And then as you come up from the water, the apostle continues, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he has died, for he who has died is freed from sin. So there is true freedom in Christ. I used to say, I don't want to become a Christian because I like having the freedom with my life. What I didn't understand then is I was total, in total bondage of sin. I had no freedom. And in Christ, I found freedom, life, happiness, joy, so much more richness in my life now that I have identified myself with him. He continues, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So in our baptism, in our conversion, we move or we pray and we hope, and it's a process of sanctification over the course of our lives, of living our lives for ourselves to living our lives for him. And as we yield our lives to the Spirit more and more, it's about giving of ourselves and less and less about what we can do for ourselves. He says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to Christ Jesus. And this truly is living. So as we wrap up here, baptism is a symbol. On my hand, there's a wedding ring. I'm not going to even attempt it to try to get it off. I'll like, it'll go flying but a wedding ring doesn't make you married. I acquired my wedding ring probably like six weeks or so before we actually got married. And I remember having custody of it, kind of slipping it on my finger, like going, oh, what's this feel like? Am I the only one that did this? Or, you know, I'm looking at Melanie and Tim, did you guys slip yours on? You know, they're recently married. And it's like, okay, now I got to wear a ring. This isn't really like, it's not really that, it's just a, it's now it's a piece of jewelry. And I wasn't really a jewelry guy, if you can believe that. And, and so it, it meant nothing before the wedding day. And, and now when I take off my wedding ring, it doesn't mean that I'm not married. It's simply a symbol that like lets the world know that I'm married. It's a reminder of that day that I made vows to my wife before God and a whole bunch of people. And so this, this water baptism, it's a symbol. The, the, the real issue is these individuals standing sort of face-to-face before their God, recognizing their sin and their need of a Savior, and then bowing down before him and saying, Lord, I need you. And I believe that your death on the cross was for me. And in that moment, we're told that the Spirit entered their hearts and sealed them until the day of redemption. And so this is just a picture of what has already happened. In Acts chapter 8, there's this scene. Uh, there's this Ethiopian man riding on a chariot. He has the scriptures before him. He's sort of the, he's reading Isaiah and, and, and the, the pieces are starting to fit together about salvation. And then Philip the apostle shows up and he says, or the disciple, then Philip opened his mouth and began from the scripture. He preached Jesus to him. 
as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Say, hey, guys, look, water, what's preventing you from being baptized? Um, Before I call the people forward, I do want to encourage each of you, and maybe there's somebody here that we don't know about that needs to be baptized, and you want to get dunked, we can do that. But not just because it's hot out here. Um, Wherever you are in your Christian life, is there something that God is convicting you of? Is there something that God is asking you to do that you're not doing? Because baptism, if nothing else, is a picture of, like, obedience. And we, as followers of Christ, our desire should be to be obedient to him regardless of what it is. Maybe it's mean, for me, it was like going to Romania or going to Camp Julian Oaks, putting myself out there in ways that I, wasn't unco- that I was uncomfortable with, but I felt genuinely that God was saying, you know what, I need you to go do this. And because I stepped out in those things, I truly feel like I was blessed far beyond what I could have ever imagined. And I think that's what happens when we step out in obedience by faith and honor God with our lives. And so I'm going to ask the six people to come forward. They know that this is going to happen. They, as they begrudgingly come forward. No, willingly. Nobody's making them do this. Um, there's six. Just right up here. There's like a little perfect spot. One, two, three. Four, five, six. Okay, we have everybody. You can slide over, Rick. Um, so do any of you want to share before they all said no but I okay Rick is willing to share so almost two years ago I accepted Jesus as my savior and I understood what I was doing and uh, I appreciate this the congregation being here today to witness this this my uh Jesus owns me. He, uh, I'm proud to be here today, and I'm proud to be baptized by my brother, Pastor Gunner. I love him, and I, I'm proud that you guys are my witnesses for this. Okay, so this is where I'll like start going down the line. So Rick has a super funny story. He had left the chiropractor's office. Bud, who's traveling right now, was going for a walk. They're both retired fire guys. Fire guys can figure out who they are really quickly. Bud didn't have his hearing aids in. Bud is not really, like, overt with his faith. Somehow, uh, Rick says, I just left the chiropractor's office. Rick heard, I just le- oh, no, Bud heard, I just left choir practice. Bud thinks he left choir practice. I can talk about Jesus. So they go a whole day talking about Jesus, and he doesn't know why, and now he's saved. And uh, it's super funny because he was Melanie's landlord for like five or six years. She's been praying for him all of these years, and it's funny how God works. And so Rick has been just a dear brother, like just a intensity and sincereness just about him. And I, I really appreciate, you know, the whole trip to Romania. I'm at the men's prayer meeting, and it's like 10 days out, and he's like, can I join you? And it's like, yeah, for sure. And so it's been really neat to watch God get a hold of him. We have Nikki. I think Nikki should share, but I've said her, I'll tell the story. She knows she's going to cry. So, so then that gives me liberty to tell the story however I want to tell the story. Um, so I can, are you sniffling already? Okay. So, 
So Nikki has been, has been coming for, like, I think they started coming during COVID. And Nikki uh, was raised in the Catholic Church, was a Catholic elementary school teacher, and through Brooke being a neighbor, uh, talking just a couple weeks ago, hearing her tell her story to me about this, just like, she's like, well, Brooke was just not judgmental and just listened. And she's like, she was a real angel. And Brooke, you're an angel. I, you're a saint. We can say that because you're a Christian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now they're going to like fight over the box. Um, but so somehow Brooke invited her to church. And apparently on that day at church, I made the comment about like, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's a gift of God alone, period. End of the story. You have to receive it. And these words like cut her to her core. She thought that I was speaking to her directly and just, just in tears and joyful tears about how God has shown her that our relationship with her, with us is not based on us doing good things. It's about what he has done. Super powerful. So if you get her onto the side, ask her to share her story if she will. Matthew's not a guy of many words, her husband, uh, they individually, they're getting baptized, didn't really have to do with one another. It wasn't like they came jointly to make this decision. They both de- decided independently that they needed to get baptized. And then they found out as they talked with one another that they both were getting baptized this Sunday. And so, um, you know, you guys are a great couple. Um, super love them. And just over the last couple of years of seeing them going into their house and like seeing uh, spiritual things on their wall. And like one of them, I don't remember which one, is like, yeah, a lot of things have changed in our home over the last two years. Like how we're living our lives is like very different than before because God really has gotten a hold of them. And I know their little daughters right here. You want to raise your hand, everybody. So they're super stoked that their daughter gets to observe this. And then we come to Zeke. Zeke, Zeke and Eve. So their mom told me that they want to get baptized like a while ago. And so whenever we come to like younger people and and baptism, I'm normally like real standoffish. I make it like really hard on them because the Bible doesn't really say at like what age you should get baptized. It says that that it's belief. And and you can come to saving faith in Christ at a very young age, but I like to try to like push it out as long as possible. And so I'm texting their mom and saying, well, they're a little bit young, you know, but I'm going to need to talk to them. So make sure they're ready for me to pull them aside one by one. Make sure you're not coercing them. And she's like, I'm not coercing them, but I've talked to them. And I do believe it's, it's sincere. And, and so we kind of went back and forth. And this week I grabbed each one of them, had to let them know you're not in trouble and sat Zeke down. It was awesome. I'm like, so you want to get baptized? Huh? He's like, Absolutely. And I'm like, why do you want to get baptized? And he said, the Bible says that when you believe in Christ, you're supposed to get baptized. Okay. Uh, are you having fun at summer nights? <laughs> and that's like, uh, you know, like, so he talked it through. And I said, You've, have you given your life to Christ? He's like, yes. And I want to do this. And it was really a blessing to me to talk to Zeke about that. And then we have Eve. Do you want to talk? I didn't give you, do you guys want to say anything? No? Okay. So Eve's story was, she's a little bit shyer, but it was very clear. Like, I think her mom was going to say, why don't you just wait until next year? And she pushed back and she says, no, I really want to get baptized. 
And so in talking with her and having her, I don't give them the answers. I just let them talk to me. And so she explained very clearly what the gospel was and that she has given her life to Christ and that she wants to, to, to be baptized out of obedience. And who am I to stop that, you know? Then we have Jim. It's Jim's birthday today. So happy birthday, Jim. So I, do you want to talk or no? I got all these quiet people. He, you opened your mouth, so. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. <laughs> I was just going to just let it get wet and just forget about it. But. So I just was going to say thanks to my mom and my dad. I've always been raised Christian. I've always been taught that Jesus loves me. Um, like most, I've had some hard times. But over 51 years, I've learned that when I put God first in my life, it's my life is better. Life is hard, but having God in every situation to build me back up when I fall means everything to me. Today, I just want to rededicate my life to Him. Amen. Amen. I want to say one introduce a new pastor here today? So... I, I, I did say I trust Gunner, but we've talked a lot, and, and he knows that I have to wash away a lot of sins. And he said he might want to hold me under a little bit longer today. So uh, if, if I stop twitching, you guys are the lifeguards. If you get baptized by a Navy SEAL, it's kind of a rite of passage. Um, so on, on, on Jim, for those of you that know Jim, Jim is like one of the sweetest men out there. Like I, like over the last few years getting to know Jim, he's so sincere and he says so many things that like people are thinking, but maybe are afraid to like ask. So he's there faithfully Saturday mornings with the men's Bible study and hearing him just like open up and kind of express uh, questions, doubts, concerns, it's super meaningful to me and a, just a blessing to hear him about, uh, you know, really wanting to live his life for God in a very genuine and meaningful way. And so it's a super, it's a, for each of them, it's a super honor for me uh, to baptize them each. What we're going to do is I'm going to pray right now, and then everybody's going to get up if you're able to, and we're going to kind of make our way around the, the the baptismal you guys can get really close so that we can all all be nearby and then we'll go go ahead and get uh, baptizing so let's pray uh, father i do thank you and praise you for this day i thank you lord for your love for us father i pray for each individual that's here today i uh, wherever they are in their relationship with you maybe they don't have one maybe they're investigating maybe they uh, just sort of uh auditing Christianity. Father, I pray for each individual here that doesn't know you as Savior, that you would uh, just help them to get the answers to the questions that they have in a way that only you are able to. I thank you that there is uh, just overwhelming evidence and great thinking and uh, archaeology, things that support the things of the Scriptures so that it's not just a blind faith. It's something that we can go to and see the evidence that is, in my opinion, is overwhelming. But from that point of collecting data, we each, if we want to be right with you, we have to reach that place where we can place our faith in you. And it's in that moment that you save us. 
And so, Father, I thank you for these six individuals that are standing before us, testifying of their love for you and their trust that they've placed in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. We thank you that it's not about our own works. We thank you that it's not about us being good enough, for we could never be good enough to measure up to you. And so, Father, I pray that as each one of these six individuals takes this step of faith, of obedience, that you would use it to grow them in their walk with you. Father, I do believe that after events like this, when we step forward, uh, attacks come and uh, things to discourage us. There's a spiritual realm and an attack that's happening around us that we can't necessarily see. And so I pray for each of these individuals that you would keep them strong in their walk with you, that they would continue to progress in their relationship. And Father, for the rest of us, I pray that you would help us to not grow callous to your prompting, to your conviction, that we would be sensitive to you and that we would be willing to go and do whatever it is that you have called us to do. May we be like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, use me. For we all desire, or my prayer is that we all desire to hear at the end of our lives from you. Well done, my good and faithful servants. We love you, Father. And I pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.